0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, I'm delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I want to start by talking about what developmental psychologists call... The developmental niche or in other words the environment in which you psychologically developed particularly during the first three years of your life we've talked about in particular the significance of the third year of your life before but we're picking up as young children subtle signals all of the time about our environment about who we are And very early on about how we interact with other people, how other people interact with us, and more generally how the world in general works. We are born nearly as blank slates. There's no such thing, obviously, as a completely blank slate. We're obviously delivered, if I can put it like that, as children in the same way as a car would be delivered, ready for certain added extras to be put in. In other words, we're primed, for example, to walk about on two feet rather than crawl about on all fours. We are delivered, for example, with facial recognition software. It's one of the things most inbuilt into us. But we are not delivered with any kind of personality, we're not delivered with any kind of temperamental predispositions, despite the fact, by the way, that there's a whole body of pseudo-theory in psychology from the 1960s and 70s about, you know, grumpy children, happy children, and that those temperamental dispositions are delivered with us. They're not. We develop them as we go and we start developing these dispositions. We start developing our own personality. We start developing our own, what modern psychology calls, conceptual self, three months before we're born. In other words, we're picking up subtle signals from before we leave the womb. There's some wonderful research around this. For example, Newborn babies to whom the same music is played after birth that had been played to them before birth will immediately react to the recognition of that music. There's other wonderful research in relation to how very young infants prefer the sound of calm adult conversation. To obviously raised voices, obviously, that's one of the things that was investigated, but they would prefer the sound of calm adult conversation to so called baby talk. Why? Because it provides them with an understanding of their environment. It provides them with an understanding of what is going on. And there's obviously a preference amongst newborns and infants and adults alike to live in an environment where things are. Happy things are calm, things are peaceful. Just as an aside, but one of the most important asides I will ever make in this podcast, the vast majority of people with whom I work are, they're obviously seeking a lot of different things in their lives, everybody is unique, but the one common thread amongst them all is that they are looking for peace of mind. In other words, that calm, happy place. And I know happy place sounds a bit lula, a bit bit woo-woo, it's not tell me if you don't want happiness in your life. And if you don't want happiness in your life, there's something more seriously wrong with you that will be solved by somebody like me. It's not a psychologist you need, it's somebody else altogether. Okay, coming back to the developmental niche. The point I want to make stems from an email that I got from somebody last week who told me that she would really like to understand better from where she had learned her so-called self-doubt now you know i get emails all the time about people who are suffering from low self-esteem self-doubt lack of self-confidence you know all that nonsense because nonsense it is because it all comes from the thoughts that we are using to enable us to make it through the day the programs that we've talked about many times before in this podcast that are used every day by our brains autopilot to enable us simply survive from one day to the next, which is the way the normal brain is actually designed, wired, built, etc., etc. And this lady said to me, you know, I need to go back and consider where this self-doubt came from as a child. And I said to her, it came from multiple sources, and most significantly, it came from the subtle and subliminal signals that you picked up from three months before you were born, in particular up to the age of 12 months, then to a lesser extent up to two years. And then you had this big bang in the third year when you realized at around two years of age, that you weren't the center of the universe and you had to learn how to make your way in your world so that you got what you wanted as far as that was doable out of your little world when you were two, two and a half, three years old. We're picking up really subtle signals all of the time and those subtle signals literally squelch the life out of us little by little. I often walk past the kindergarten school down the end of the road here and there's a preschool in it as well so you have kids from about two and a half up playing in the schoolyard without a care in the world and then I walk further down the road and there is a college, which is the equivalent of early secondary school, high school, I suppose, in the United States. And then a little further down the road, there is Lise. I, I, I'm not sure which high school is in the States. It doesn't really matter. I'm talking about uh, secondary education, second level education, all the way up to what we have as the baccalaureate here in France or the leaving certificate in Ireland or uh, A-levels in the United Kingdom. And you can see the way children's cares of their world increase the older that they get, in particular, once they go past 12 or 13, because you must remember that by the time we hit that age, we are ready for action as hunter-gatherers on automatic pilot. That is the way the brain is designed. So in other words, we close down at 12 or 13 years of age, we learn nothing new about ourselves, and what we do which gives rise to what is known in psychology as teenage angst, is we try to take who we think we are and try to fit it in with who we think we'd like to be and who we'd like to hang out with. Listen back to that sentence, if you will, because it is exceedingly important, and I'm not 100% sure that I can say it just as concisely as that again. But back to my friend who was suffering from self-doubt, or at least thought she was. And as long as she thought she was suffering from self-doubt, of course, she was suffering from self-doubt. She wanted to know where the self-doubt had come from. And as I said to her, it is socio-economical. It is cultural. It is national. It comes from the developmental niche that you inhabited when you were at your most impressionable up to the age of three years. I had a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago in relation to the goals that they wanted to achieve in their life. And this guy has got over the idea, which I'm going to come back to in a minute in in this particular episode. He got over the idea that the goals that he really wanted to achieve were unrealistic. Hold that thought. I'll come back to it in a minute. But then he asked me such an insightful question. He said, I know this is realistic. I know from the online program that uh, these things are achievable. I know how I set my mind to achieve them because I've set my mind to other things and achieved them as a result of what I've called before the two-piece jigsaw, being present and focused with your goals in mind, having set your mind. He said, and I know this big goal that I have in mind is realistic, but do you think I deserve it? deserve question. Because what I said to my other friend who was suffering from this imaginary self-doubt was that during in particular the first few months of our lives in the western world we were picking up awfully subtle signals about how we were born as and i'll paraphrase a load of theology in relation to this how we were born as hopeless sinners in need of redemption in other words how we are undeserving it's built into the very fabric of who we think we are because we picked up these subtle signals all the way back when we were picking up all kinds of stuff around us all of the time without being able to discern at all, whether some of the stuff was good to pick up or some of the stuff was bad to pick up. Think of one of the most traumatic experiences of an infant's life in the Christian tradition. Think of being held in your mother or father's arms and being dangled over a large pool of water with some strangely dressed man throwing water at your head, claiming you for Christ. Do you think that might be the kind of significant life event that you might have taken a glaring psychological snapshot of before you were ever even in a position to cognitively appraise what was going on around you? We're actually stamped when we're born in the Judeo-Christian tradition as hopeless sinners in need of redemption. And I know some people will take issue with how I've said that. I don't care. It is endemic. And you know, people in Ireland, which has moved on greatly over the last two or three decades from the way in which it had been suppressed by uh, organised religion. People in Ireland say to me, oh, but we, we threw that out at this stage. No, that tradition goes back thousands of years. That tradition goes back not to you going to Sunday Mass, it goes back to the subtle little signals that you picked up before you were even born, and that you particularly picked up on the day you were baptized and on the way in which you were educated. My sister. Who is almost eight years older than me had a memorable saying when I was young and impressionable and that is that little children should be seen and not heard. There there are all kinds of sayings in relation to you know knowing your place, not getting too big for your own boots or as somebody in uh, the United States said to me recently not getting too big for your britches. All the same thing you know know your place, know that you are undeserving in the greater scheme of things. And if you have a ball in this life, you're in serious trouble in the next life. And this is part and parcel of stuff we were picking up way back when, long before the crucial third year of our lives. And then, and then, if you think about it, having learned that I was in need of redemption, that I was undeserving up to the age of two, Suddenly, at two years of age, I discover I'm not the center of the universe, and I have to learn my way through the third year of my life, learning what psychology calls theory of mind, to enable me negotiate, collaborate, communicate, and manipulate others so that I do my best to get what I want in the subtle, subliminal belief that I'm not entitled to it in the first place. Then I go to school. And I'm told to sit quietly. I'm told to not make noise. I'm told to stand in line and sit up straight. I am told to do what teacher tells me. Our our eldest guy, he's 32 now, but we regularly got calls from his kindergarten school back in Dublin years ago. We were told that he would roam around the class holding forth on a variety of different subjects, such as Irish history, and he was only four at the time. Sorry, he was less. He was three at the time. Some some things that would be in the news because he was constantly soaking up stuff, and we constantly got calls from his teacher saying, "Will you tell him not to talk? Tell him to sit down and do what he's told." Now, obviously a degree of structure is required in one's life as a child. And there's a load of research that shows that, for example, young children need some kind of routine. Now, you know, as adults, routine can be very bad for us because routine is habitual. It encourages the automatic pilot to run our lives, or perhaps I should say, ruin our lives for us. But back to education. ...Gradually over the course of, in particular, your early education, you gradually have the life squeezed out of you. You Now, I want to be a train driver when I grow up. Don't be so silly. You want to become a civil servant like your father or your mother. I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. Don't be so stupid. You're going to be an accountant. I mean, a fate worse than death. If there are any accountants listening, I can say that. And it's only a joke. I have my tongue firmly in my cheek anyway. But I am an accountant. You probably know that already, or at least I was going to say I was in a previous life. That's not true. Once an accountant, always an accountant. But anyway, that that is a pure digression. Which leads me on to one of the key things that I want to talk about today in relation to realistic goals. And indeed, I have plans, the best laid plans of mice and men, but I have plans to pick up on this again when I talk about decision making in next week's podcast. Bear with me in relation to unrealistic goals or realistic goals. I got an email from somebody a few days ago who was picking up on some of the stuff that I've just been talking about here with regard to childhood memories. And he said he had wonderful childhood memories and that he was something of a dreamer when he was a child, someone with a great imagination, somebody who would go off on all kinds of wonderful flights of fancy. And I emailed him back and I said to him, aren't you blessed? because you have a whole library of what psychology calls positive mental resources. You know what peace of mind is like. You can almost touch it. You know what being carefree is like, like the little kids that I mentioned down the road in the playground. You know what it's like not to have a care in the world. You can remember it vividly. That is something that so many people with whom I work have to dig deep to drag out of, not their past, But to go back to the phrase I used a minute ago, their library of positive mental resources. You know, people say to me, I can't imagine being happy. You know, people have said to me over the years, oh, I was never happy in my life, which of course is a lie, but they actually have to go back and reflect on it. Some people have to be hypnotized to remember what it was like to feel happy. But we all had moments of happiness in our life. Everybody had, but this guy, was bathing, luxuriating in the memories that he was telling me about in this email. And I said to him, you've reminded me of a really important story that I will tell in next week's podcast, which is this week's podcast. As I said a few minutes ago, when we were young and impressionable, we formed an impression of who we are not, of how undeserving we are of how little we are in the greater scheme of things, of how in need of improvement we are. I mean, that's the whole point of education, you know, to improve yourself, isn't it? That's the whole point of personal development industry, to develop yourself. That is the whole point of the personal growth industry, to grow yourself. You don't need any of that. What you need to do is remember your positive mental resources, enable yourself re- visit, re-mine, it actually has to be mined by some people because it's deep down in their minds, in their minds, in minds and minds, rekindle that spirit of carefreeness that we all had when we were young and impressionable, before the weight of the world was piled on us, often by careless throwaway remarks, by adults were operating on autopilot who didn't understand the damage they were doing to us in the little slings and arrows that they threw in our direction when we were young and impressionable we basically had the life squeezed out of us one drop at a time during our childhood through our education into our teens we were told that we needed to conform to norms and we know what norms are they are the rules often unspoken used by normal crazy people who are using their minds on automatic pilot and heaven forbid should you stray beyond those norms for starters you will make the normal crazy people very uncomfortable we've talked before for example about how a number of the people with whom i've worked over the years were afraid that they would lose their friends If they were to become different and then they realized having become different as a result of retuning their minds so that they could live their lives to the full, be carefree, have peace of mind, have the kind of life that they wanted to live. They realized that they then lost a load of their acquaintances. They weren't friends at all. They were people who were happy to have another normal crazy person in the normal crazy people's club. I'll get around, by the way, to the story in just a moment. No, I'll tell it now. Many, many years ago, one of my clients was, when I met him first, the general manager of a very, very well-known hotel. Very well-known hotel. And he was something of a celebrity in the hotel industry. And then the owners of the hotel decided to close the hotel not to sell the hotel to somebody else to actually close the hotel so that it could be developed for residential property and they made him redundant a couple of weeks after he lost his job he was sitting at home with his 13 year old daughter having breakfast she was getting ready for school and very matter-of-factly she turned around to him and said to him Dad, now that you have nothing to do, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What are you going to do with your life? And he said, you know what? I want to be an astronaut. And she said, oh, don't be so ridiculous. You have to be realistic. But he was making the exact point that I'm trying to make in every one of these podcasts. You can be whatever you want to be. You can live the kind of life that you want to live because what's going on between your two ears creates the kind of life that you are living right now. So if you're not in charge of what's going on between your two ears, you're probably living a life suffering under the illusion that you are suffering from self-doubt you are probably living a life where you think you're stuck. You are definitely living a life where one day is much the same as any other day for the simple reason that if you're operating normally on automatic pilot, an automatic pilot will always bring you back to the same place. And that is, by the way, how you end up thinking that you're stuck, because you actually are stuck. But you're only stuck until you unstick the piece of machinery between your own two years when we tune our minds back in to effectively the vibe of the universe now uh, i could go into mind-bending science deep into mind-bending science on what i actually mean by that phrase but essentially if i'm using my mind normally let's use a really old-fashioned analogy and all i'm doing is showing my age now save the piece of equipment between your two ears is like an old-fashioned radio. You know in wartime films you see everybody gathered around a radio listening to the latest news or the latest government announcement and there's someone twirling the knobs there and the radio is kind of going and then a voice comes through. When we're using our minds normally our radio is completely tuned out. And all we can hear is that noise. And that noise is the noise of our own thinking minds. And that noise is the same noise that we hear every day. But it lulls us into an understanding, a misunderstanding, that this is my life and at least I'm safe in this life. I will make it through the day. When we take charge of what is going on between our own two ears, we turn the knob on our radio receiver and we come onto the same wavelength as the wavelength at which the universe is vibrating. It's vibrating electromagnetically and if I am not in charge of my own state of mind, my electromagnetic fields in my body are all over the place. So I'm not sending out the right signals at all. In fact, if I'm sending any signals, I'm sending them back into myself, reconfirming that I'm suffering from self-doubt. But when I tune my radio receiver onto the wavelength, literally the wavelength at which the universe is vibrating, my super strings of energy in my body suddenly vibrate coherently, or to use quantum physics word, they shimmer and I emit messages out into the universe. I actually emit, the, emit those messages by sending out photons of light, I actually shine my light. In doing that, I create a completely different life to the life that I'm creating on automatic pilot. When I operate on automatic pilot I keep creating the same life every day. I keep creating my own very personal Groundhog Day. I keep believing that I'm undeserving and I keep thinking that anything that I really would want out of life would be unrealistic for me because I was told it was unrealistic when I was young and impressionable. When I tune my energy onto the wavelength of the universe I create whatever life I choose. It is as simple as that. We know from our previous conversations how we tune our minds in. We tune our minds in or onto that wavelength by emptying our minds of the background noise, by paying attention to the reality of the moment, by seeing what we're looking at, hearing what we're listening to feeling what is actually going on in our bodies, really smelling and tasting what we're eating or drinking or walking through, we might be walking through a pine forest. In other words, we tune ourselves onto the wavelength of the universe where we can create whatever we want in life There are no bounds in relation to whether anything is realistic or unrealistic, with the obvious bound, for example, that I can't set my mind, you know, to be living the high life when when I'm 150 years old. Because we're animals, remember that. I can't be, personally, at 63 years of age. There'd be no point in my setting my mind to be a synchronized swimmer in the Paris Olympics in 2024. But... Other than that kind of thing, there are no boundaries. The only boundaries you have are the boundaries that your thinking mind has created for you. When you tune yourself out of the background noise created by your thinking mind, you realize, I can create anything that I want for me in my life. Better again, I can create what is best for me in my life. And not only is what I want to create unbounded by normal thoughts of what is or isn't realistic I suddenly realize because I am an integral part of the universe having tuned into it that I deserve all good things. You deserve all good things. When are you going to sit yourself down at life's great banquet and feast on a life that is carefree and abundant. You've been listening to To Succeed Just Let Go. To get involved join me in my Facebook group strangely enough called To Succeed Just Let Go and for more information visit wwwwillie portal